Father God, we thank you for our sister Betty this morning and for the word that she has prepared to bring to us. And I just pray that our hearts will be open to receive it as she speaks to us. Amen. Amen. Good morning. I've been told to stand here so that they can hear, so people can hear me properly. So I'm going to try and pin myself down and not to walk about. <laughs> um, sorry about the voice. It's, um, yeah, I didn't go partying. I went for Holy Ghost party. I went for a prayer conference yesterday and I shouted too much. <laughs> when I saw a guy getting up by my side on a wheelchair. <laughs> Thank God for that. Um, so, Tim is away. Today's Father's Day. We're starting to go through the book of Philippians. And um, to start it, <laughs> we. Um, I'm going to take, it's a long reading, and I'm going to try and just pick some stuff so that we can understand what the whole words, you know, that are written here is all about. Now, we all know about the story of um, the Apostle Paul, what he was before his conversion, and how he became one of the, you know, the greatest guys, you know, in spreading the gospel. He's writing to the Philippians and to, you know, of all the letters that he's written in the New Testament, most of them is in, um, in response to some of the messages that he got. I want to look at this from the perspective that, yes, he was an ambassador in chains. And two... I want you to listen to this and view this reading with the attitude that he had as he went through what he was going through. So, as a father, if you are away from your children, do you just forget about them? Do you? No. So, um, when you read through the Bible and you look at the life of Paul, there's nowhere that says that he had children of his own. But he took those he was looking after as his children. And he cared for them. When you read through this, this um, Philippians here, this chapter 1, that is evidence in, you know, what he's saying here. So let's just take the first bit. In the first bit, he's greeting them. He started by greeting them, yes. And I want you to see something here. When he called himself, what he described himself, he described himself and Timothy as servants of Christ Jesus. Why? What is a servant? 
like Linda said, a servant is like, you know, practically he's an ambassador. You're, as a servant, you don't have authority of your own. As an ambassador, you don't have authority of your own, except the one that was given to you by the master that sent you. So he's telling you that, look, I am here on behalf of somebody. I am serving somebody. Somebody sent me here to look after you guys. Though I'm not there with you, I am with you as your father. And I want to pray for you. So, he went down to say grace to you and peace from God, our father. See, he did not look at himself, you know, that, oh, yeah, I'm your leader, and, you know, you guys just bow to me, or I can just do whatever I want. No. You and me are from the same father. God is our father. If you, like me, have lost your dad or you didn't have your dad around you, it doesn't mean you don't have one. You have one. He created you. He knows you. He knows the number of hair on your head. And that's a special, special relationship. Now, if we go down to from verse 3, before that, I want to point something out to you. When he talked about the saints, if you look at Romans 12, 13, you see the qualities of a saint and who the saint is. Um, in 1 Timothy 3, 18 to, 1 Timothy 3, 8 to 13, Paul gives the qualities of a deacon because he there says about you know, the leaders, he prays for them and he prays for everybody. He did not take anybody out. He prayed for each and every one. He mentioned the leaders to make sure that, you know, if he says, oh, I am praying for all of you together without mentioning everybody, people would think, oh, well, he's just talking to those people. No, he brought everybody into the conversation. So, I thank my God every time I remember you, constantly praying with joy in every one of my prayers for all of you. So this guy was not just praying and saying, oh, I know I have some people down there who I'm just praying about them. No, he prayed for them with joy in his heart. Let's think about this. Tim is not here today. Do you think as a vicar in this church, he goes away and forgets about the church that people are here? No. He will be thinking about us. He will say a prayer for us. And as he say prayer for us, he remembers what we do, how we serve. I think that's where you want to just understand what he is just saying here. These people, we are a blessing to him. These people, we are serving God, you know, doing the things that he cannot do as he's not there. He's writing a letter of appreciation, writing a letter where he's encouraging people, 
writing a letter, you know, when I say attitude, his attitude in this whole thing was that of, you know, not just complaining. I love it when I read this, in this chapter, the fact that he was suffering did not mean that he was just sitting down there and just crying every day. Woe is me. You know, why is everything going wrong for me? I'm sent here to preach the gospel. The people that I was killing before, and I just, you know, re, you know become a Christian, and here preaching the gospel, they now put me in prison. They're beating me up. They're not even treating me well. Uh, why is God so... Yeah, some people ask those questions. Why is God so horrible? Why is God not listening to my prayers? Why is God not healing me? Why has not God not given me the mansion that I prayed for? Why has God not healed the leg that is paining me? Yeah, come on. Some people suffer more than that. If you tell me a place in the Bible that says that you will not suffer, I would like to see it. Instead, he said that we will go through. If you read it on, I don't know if you were just actually picking some things from the passage when Linda was reading it. I'm just going to read some bits because you want to understand that this guy was suffering. But instead of complaining, he was saying that I thank God for my chains. I thank God for what I have been through or where I am, and I know the reason why I am here is to glorify his name. How? Which of us here will be sick in bed today? Or, you know, some people see you in town and they, you know, spat on your face or cast you out, and you say, I thank God that I am suffering. Will you do that? Can you do that? So, I want to read out the chapter 6, Dami verse 6. I am confident in this, that the one who began a good work among you will bring it to completion by the day of Jesus Christ. That has become one of the popular verse that we say every time. The God who have begun a good work in you, in you, and in you, is faithful to see to completion. You are alive today. That's the work that God has begun in your life. You woke up today that is something beautiful that he has begun in your life. You got out of bed, got in the car, drive from your house to this place, and you were not, you know, you didn't have an accident. That is God doing a good work in your life. Even if you walk down, as some people do, some people actually just get out of their house just to go across the road to buy milk, they were knocked down and died. That is a good work God is doing in your life. Have you said thank you today? 
How have you viewed that? And I think something else we need to pick from this is the fact that these people were serving, and though Paul was not there, they were serving, doing everything within their power to spread the gospel. They did not say, oh, our leader is in chains in Rome, so let's just lock ourselves up and stop spreading the gospel. Instead, they use what has happened as a reason for spreading the gospel. They did not keep quiet. They went out and they kept spreading the gospel. Now, I would expect that, you know, oh, these people are going to arrest us if we continue. Let's stop. No, they went out and spread the gospel. See, Paul said there are two groups of people among them, those who did it, you know, with clear hearts. In verse 15, it says, some proclaim Christ from envy, rivalry, but others from goodwill. So, from what point are we proclaiming Christ? How are we proclaiming Christ? But, you know what? If you are going out proclaiming Christ, whether you're doing it from a place of envy or not, Paul said, you know, it doesn't matter that um, he's still happy. That makes him happy still, even those that are proclaiming Christ out of envy, envy towards who? Towards him. That they are proclaiming Christ to make sure that, you know, his, his uh, punishment is multiplied. But he's saying, you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't bother me. Because still, whether they are doing it out of envy or not, they are still proclaiming Christ. They are still telling people about Christ, even if they're doing it from a dark place. They are still proclaiming Christ. And for him, uh, it's okay. You can be abusing me while you are preaching the gospel. It's okay. Because God's name is being glorified. You are telling about God, not about me. So all those are, the, the, there are just few things, really, as I pick them out. The one that's touched your heart, just pick it. Verse 18, just to read and tell that, that what does it matter? Just this, that Christ is proclaimed in every way, whether out of false motives or true, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. He's not just happy for one minute, then tomorrow he's angry, saying, oh, that Betty, I wish I can see her today. I will cut her legs out for trying to say stupid things about me. No. 
He said, I will continue to rejoice. Twenty. It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in any way, but that by my speaking with all boldness, Christ will be exalted now and always in my body, whether in life or by death. For to me, living is Christ and dying is gain. He was happy to die. He was not afraid of death. For when we read it down, he said, you know, his desire is to depart, to die and be with Christ. But he knows that it's far better for him to remain because they needed him to still be around. I've done my bit here. I wish, you know, if it's my time, God will take me. But it doesn't matter if it doesn't take me because I know some people still need me around. That's wonderful. Some people are afraid of death. Today, people don't want to die. But the apostle is saying he's actually looking forward to die and go and be with Christ. Can we have the same attitude? And what do we do in order for us to prepare ourselves to be in that frame of mind to say, I am ready if the Lord comes today. If he calls me home today, I am ready. I don't have to be here I'm comfortable to go and answer my name. I'm comfortable to go home to the Father and say, Lord, I am home. I am so happy to be home. But a lot of us, we are not prepared to go. We want to be here even past 100. Nobody wants to go. <laughs> nobody wants to die. But that's one death we all owe. It's a debt we owe, and nobody is staying here forever. So since I am convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in faith, so that I may share abundantly in your boasting in Christ Jesus. When I come to you again, he was in chains. See, he, have an, he had an attitude of, you know, I am in chains today. It doesn't mean I'm going to be there forever. I look forward to coming to see you. They have not told him that they're going to release him. But he's telling them, I look forward to coming to you. That is faith. What are you struggling with today? What do you believe? What are you telling yourself? You see, he was telling them what he believed would happen. 
What are you telling yourself? What are you telling yourself? And at the end of it, <laughs> um, Apostle Paul says in verse 27, oh, he says, only for them, this is evidence of their destruction, but of your salvation, those who are punishing you, who are saying bad about you, it's evidence that they're going to get their own destruction and their, you know, their, their just reward. But for you, it's evidence of the salvation of Christ in your life. And this is God's doing. For he has graciously granted you the privilege not only to believing in Christ, but of suffering for him as well. So if you are suffering in any way, you think somebody is persecuting you because you are a Christian, remember, you're not suffering for yourself. You're suffering for Christ. Let that encourage you. Let that give you the strength to move on that. Your Father in heaven is looking down at you with pride. Like you know, the, the earthly fathers tell me if I'm wrong, if your, if your son or daughter does something well and they come home with a certificate, now I have seen a lot of them. I know with my children I used to do this too, but you know, when Malachi brings a certificate home, like this week he came home with a certificate, all of the week, you know, there was praises, oh, well done, and you know, there was high fives going on. So yeah, your Father in heaven is looking down at you with pride that you are standing still. You are standing firm, believing who you are, knowing who you are, that you are his child. The trials of this world will come. But let's copy the attitude of Paul. His attitude is just so, so, so good. I love it that he says, I know that the chains, I mean chains, but I know that, you know, the chains I'm in is because of the gospel. And for that reason, I am happy. Knowing that his suffering is that for, for the gospel gave him a reason to be grateful. There was no self-pity. There was no self-pity. So let's learn the lessons that he, he learned. He persecuted people. So he knows how it is when others turn around and persecute him. He could have said, because I'm serving God, he's going to stop all of them from persecuting me. But he did not do that. He knew that when you pick up the Bible, you pick up your mat, if you are, you know, like the man that was um, paralyzed by the roadside, you pick up whatever you pick up, 
you know you're picking it up and there will be some persecution, even in your own house. Even in your own house. Don't think, you know, when your brother or your sister see you going to church and they tell you, ah, what kind of stupidity have you started now? You know, it doesn't matter because you know the one you trust. You know the one you hold on to. So, this week I want to encourage you. As you go back home, I will say, actually, pick it. Pick your Bible and read through this again. That's a lot in it to unpack. Yeah, there's a lot in it to unpack. A lot. Paul's present circumstances, as the Bible says, it was just that. Verse 12, where he says, I want you to know, beloved, that what has happened to me has actually helped to spread the gospel. His punishment, his pains, helped to spread the gospel. So, whatever you are going through is the best testimony you have. You can use it positively or use it negatively. You can go out and say to people, oh, I went through this, but this is what God did. Paul was able to tell them the joys of being where he is. What can you boast of? If you feel you can't read it, really, there's a cheat version. Get your mobile phone and put the Bible on. Let it play. Play different versions and you will be amazed what will come up with it. You will love it. Thank you.